This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where we didn't just break the record for newly reported COVID cases, we smashed it flat. The health department added another 5,500 confirmed cases Wednesday, 1,400 more than the previous record that was set Saturday. Governor Ron DeSantis has been doing his best to try to downplay the significance, but Florida's spike in COVID cases has been noticed up north, where the governors of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut have signed emergency orders imposing a 14-day quarantine on anyone traveling there from Florida and eight other states that have seen a surge in coronavirus infections. It's just common sense. It's the spirit of community. If you're in a place that has a high infection rate, uh, we understand that. Uh, But... Uh, We don't want to see the infection rate increase here. Florida did pretty much the same thing to travelers from New York during the early days of the pandemic, but their numbers are going down while ours go up. As they say, payback is a bitch. Officials at Visit Florida are making plans to lure tourists back to the Sunshine State. We are laser focused on the recovery. We are going to ensure uh, in every way possible that Florida tourism has all of the tools that it needs for a swift recovery. The $13 million marketing plan starts by targeting Floridians, trying to convince us to take a vacation in our own state. They're also suggesting the governor and legislature double their $50 million budget. The pandemic has spawned a whole new series of scams, and Attorney General Ashley Moody says there's a new one making the rounds, where con artists are claiming the government will pay you to stay inside. This scheme appears to involve an international criminal organization utilizing a multifaceted communications plan to deceive our seniors. The governor holds a ceremonial signing for the teacher pay bill he championed in the legislature. DeSantis says there's enough money to move Florida into the top five in starting pay for teachers, and he's not making any reductions in the pay plan because of COVID-19. The battle over a congressional seat in Miami moves to a Tallahassee courtroom today. Miami-Dade County Mayor Carlos Jimenez is being sued by a fellow Republican who claims the mayor should be barred from the primary because his name was misspelled on the check used to pay the qualifying fee. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and check in with a Florida woman who is suing her neighbor over a paternity test for a goat. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, June 25th. The state added more than 5,500 new cases of COVID-19 Wednesday. That's the most ever in a single day. It brings the running total to just over 109,000. Florida's death toll continues to rise. It's 3,377, an increase of 44 in the past day. Ron DeSantis has taken plenty of heat for refusing to mandate the use of protective masks, but he says everything would be fine if people would just follow his recommendations. You know, if you follow the guidelines you follow those phase one guidelines here, if you follow the phase two guidelines in other parts uh, of the state, everything works out fine. We haven't had any problems at a business with individuals, you know, when they followed the guidelines. Um, I think you've seen, you know, that, that's just been wearing and people, people naturally want to do things. And I'm not even, if I was 25, I'd be probably with them. I mean, that's just realistic. I can sit here and try to act like I wouldn't, but I remember what it was like then. Um, and so it's not a question of, oh, you know, you this, but there's just a natural human, I think, um, a belief in wanting to wanting to do things like that. So what is the governor's plan for dealing with a spike in COVID cases? Would you believe some public service announcements? DeSantis says those PSAs will point out the danger of the three C's, closed spaces, crowded places, and close contact conversations. There's certain areas where this is just more transmissible. So, you know, we're at reminding people to avoid closed spaces with poor ventilation. Uh, if you know the in Florida, you know it's hot, but 
the sunshine, heat, and humidity is your friend. Uh, when you're in an enclosed space, particularly if you don't have social distancing, if it's like a private party or something like that, and you're cramped in with bad ventilation, you're going to have more spread. Uh, also, just crowded places generally when there's many people nearby. Um, and then close contact settings. If you get right in someone's face and are having a conversation, you actually can, can transmit the virus. And of course, when all three of those are in one, a closed space with poor ventilation, crowded, and then close contact um, uh, conversation and things of that nature, then that's definitely uh, the number one uh, type, of, um, type of event. We also want to continue to remind the folks who are in our more vulnerable categories, such as age 65 or above, folks that have serious underlying medical conditions, uh, make sure that you're being, and first of all, you've been very diligent throughout this whole time, uh, just keep being diligent about avoiding crowds, uh, avoiding a lot of contact outside the home, uh, particularly with some of the younger folks. I mean, what we're seeing in Florida is really rapid transmission uh, in that 18 to 34 age group. They're testing positive at, at a higher and higher rate. So clearly, you know, you have a lot of spread there. Uh, so folks who are in those vulnerable areas, in those categories, you know, do your part. But then also, if you're in some of the maybe less risky demographics and those younger demographics, uh, you, know, you need to do your part and, and make sure that you're not uh, spreading it to people uh, who are going to be uh, more at risk for this. Remember when the governor slapped a quarantine on New Yorkers traveling to Florida in the early days of the COVID crisis? Remember that old expression, turnabout is fair play? Well, Floridians who travel to New York, New Jersey, or Connecticut will now be ordered into quarantine for 14 days when they arrive. And we're not the only state being targeted. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo says there are nine states covered by their emergency order, and that can change depending on the infection rates in each state. The uh, infection rate formula will be 10 per 100,000 on a seven-day rolling average, or 10% of the total population positive on a seven-day rolling average. So any state that has an infection rate above that uh, would require 14-day quarantine. As of today, the states that are above that level are Alabama, Arkansas, Arizona, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Washington, Utah, Texas. That the states themselves can change as the infection rate changes. Uh, and we will update daily what states are above that infection rate. But as of today, those are the states that are above the infection rate. And again, it's just common sense. Uh, it's, it's the spirit of community. If you're in a place that has a high infection rate, uh, we understand that and we'll help you any way we can. And we've been helpful in reaching out to every state across the nation. Uh, but uh, we don't want to see the infection rate increase here after what we've gone through, and that's uh, the 14-day uh, quarantine. No official reaction from DeSantis, but when he was asked about that possibility last week, the governor said he hopes no one from Florida would have to spend their quarantine at a New York nursing home. More than 6,200 people have died in New York long-term care facilities, compared to more than 1,700 in Florida. Another day, another scam targeting seniors during the COVID crisis. Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody says the newest bit of fraud is what she calls a grant scam. We're receiving reports of government imposters offering seniors thousands of dollars in federal grant money to stay isolated at home, presumably to prevent the spread of COVID-19. They're using Facebook Messenger, emails, and text messages to offer these sham grants. 
This scheme appears to involve an international criminal organization utilizing a multifaceted communications plan to deceive our seniors. These criminals are hacking Facebook accounts to send messages to targets from a friend's profile, creating the illusion that the fake government grant program is being promoted by an acquaintance. Once that contact is made, the criminals request personal information, bank account numbers, and insurance payments to help ensure the safe delivery of these thousands of dollars in federal grant money. This is a trick. Don't fall for it. To avoid this new COVID-19 grant scam, know that government officials are not contacting our seniors and offering them grants to stay at home. Remember that requests for upfront payments, gift cards or insurance fees in exchange for a grant, loan or government benefit is a huge red flag. Be wary of any COVID-19 related offers received via Facebook, even if the offer appears to come from a familiar account. Hackers can hijack social media accounts and send the account holders contacts deceiving messages and watch out for websites or messages containing typos or grammatical mistakes or awkward word choices. Typos and grammatical mistakes in messages purporting to be from the government are a sure sign something isn't right. If you've been fleeced by this or any other sort of scam, you can report it to the Attorney General at myfloridalegal.com. Good news for Florida teachers. The governor has signed the bill setting aside $600 million and raising the minimum starting salary to the top five in the country. And while he's planning major cuts in the budget because of the COVID pandemic, DeSantis says none of those cuts will be in the teacher pay package. What we have is uh, a bill that will provide $500 million directly to teachers, uh, all public school teachers, uh, school district or charter, and it will take Florida uh, from number 26 in the nation to number five in the nation for average minimum salary. Included in that, and our initial proposal was really just focusing on the minimum, is another $100 million uh, for our uh, more experienced teachers who are already making more than uh, that average minimum. And so that's very exciting. Now, it was one thing to, to get that through the legislature. It was another thing to get them to put the money in the budget and lay that on the table. But um, they laid the budget on the table, I think, the second week of March. And uh, we had a little bit of uh, changes in everything happening in our world since then. And so it was quite a challenge to make sure, even though we fought for it, that we'd be able to actually do it in the budget because what we're looking at now in terms of the budget that will be enacted uh, by July 1st is just a different fiscal picture uh, than what we were dealing with in January, February, and early March. Uh, but I can report, although we have not made every decision about the budget, um, I can report uh, this will be there 100%. Uh, we're gonna have to make tough choices, but this is important. When he first proposed the pay plan, Governor DeSantis said his goal was to make this the year of the teacher. That, of course, was B.C., before COVID. The fight over a South Florida congressional seat plays out today in the Leon County Courthouse. Circuit Judge Ron Fleury is holding a hearing in a lawsuit that contends Miami-Dade County Mayor Carlos Jimenez should be blocked from running for a congressional seat because he did not comply with the legal requirements to qualify for the race. The lawsuit was filed by Omar Blanco, who's competing with Jimenez in the Republican primary in South Florida's Congressional District 26. Blanco contends Jimenez should be disqualified because his name was spelled wrong on a check that was used to pay the qualifying fee. Next up on Sunrise, a deep dive into the plan to bring tourists back to Florida. The state's official marketing agency has a $13 million plan, and they're targeting Floridians first. You're listening to the Sunrise podcast from Florida Politics, and we're much obliged.
The Florida Hospital Association has released the OPEN plan, designed to allow Florida's safe resumption of elective surgeries and procedures. OPEN stands for O, observe the COVID-19 rate of community occurrence. P, prevent transmission. E, establish the process to restore elective surgeries and procedures. And N, network with all healthcare providers. You can read the OPEN plan today at FHA.org. Welcome back to Sunrise. Officials at Visit Florida, the state's tourism marketing agency, have come up with a plan to try to bring visitors back to the Sunshine State. They're also asking the governor and the legislature to double their budget. Stacy Melman is the chief marketing officer at Visit Florida. She says they're counting on Floridians to get the ball rolling. Floridians in state have to rebuild our tourism economy. It really uh, wasn't a question for us about whether we would put some of our investment towards in-state marketing, um, really to make sure that some of the businesses that depend on uh, on, tours, on tourism and um, in-state residents as well as out-of-state visitors uh, have the support that they need to manage um, and sustain themselves uh, as until we get to a level of containment with this. Um, internationally, our strategic approach is a, is a little bit different than domestic. Um, and given the circumstances with border closures and long haul access, we've pivoted our existing strategy in the short term, um, but will maintain a stable core market position uh, by keeping our in-market infrastructure in place and putting Florida in the best situation to scale up our marketing efforts the moment that the opportunity is available. Um, this is a bit different than some of our competition in the market. And so we see our international approach as really being um, you know, smart and uh, forward thinking in terms of uh, looking at this as an opportunity to gain future market share. It's a long term game uh, for us to um, to make sure that we're protecting Florida for the, the future. We're closely monitoring traveler sentiment and trends um, and adjusting our approach as attitudes and behavior shift. We're currently in phase two of this uh, where restrictions are easing and there's some risk aversion and uncertainty amongst travelers and residents. Uh, when the time is right, we will begin marketing in state uh, and then expand to nearby domestic drive markets. Uh, phase three is what we are calling the new normal with some with uh, some travel, uh, some serious travel considerations. And phase four is in a COVID contained world where travelers are ready and willing. And this phase in phase four, Visit Florida will expand our marketing efforts across our core audience segments. We know that the recovery is going to take time and we want to make sure that Florida has a continued presence uh, with potential travelers as they begin traveling again. For many, the first thing that comes to mind when someone says vacation is Florida. So as the vacation state, we hope to further cement that idea by promoting the value of a vacation. This campaign is going to offer people a shift in perspective so that they can remember um, and long for that transformative power of a Florida vacation. And this is a particularly crucial message, especially in times when budgets might be tight. That marketing campaign will cost 13 million bucks, and Melman says it will be the first time Visit Florida aims its message directly at Floridians. Our objective is to build a sense of pride amongst Floridians and revitalize Florida's tourism economy with a boost from in-state travelers. We are incredibly lucky to live in a place where people vacation. Uh, Floridians often feel like they have to travel far and wide for great travel experiences and don't realize that there's otherworldly experiences that are within a short drive. 
Uh, our in-state campaign introduces Floridians to new horizons within their own state that they thought they'd have to fly to or visit other countries to experience. The timing for our campaign launch, as I mentioned before, is critical. Um, and, uh, you know, we're looking at both, uh, you know, resident sentiment, uh, traveler sentiment and health data to ensure uh, that we're as effective. Our rebound effort will be the largest recovery effort that Visit Florida has ever developed and executed. Um, our investment in a COVID rebound uh, will surpass what was spent on our recovery campaign for Hurricane Irma and 2018 simultaneous crisis response of Hurricane Michael and Red Tide. It's quite a turnaround for Visit Florida, which was almost abolished by the legislature. The agency was scheduled to sunset on July 1st and was only saved when lawmakers realized the COVID crisis could wreck the tourism industry and tank the state budget. They gave the agency a three-year reprieve and a $50 million budget, but Carol Dover says they need twice that amount. Dover runs the Florida Restaurant Lodging Association and serves on the board of Visit Florida. The big 10-ton elephant in the room is, are we going to have a special session? And, you know, one day it's, we think maybe, and then the next day it's no. And in the event that we do, um, I can't fathom, and I have actually had this conversation with the governor himself and not, and, and not even just outside. I mean, I mentioned directly to him the importance of putting more money in Visit Florida's coffers. And I said $50 million isn't even enough when it's, when it's under normal circumstances. But now that we have COVID to deal with, we need probably twice that much to just try to get the state back up on our feet. And, you know, he didn't make any commitment. He kind of chuckled, but he didn't certainly didn't make a commitment. But I do think if, um, if and when we go back into special session, um, even if it's after the November election, that we my thought was that we should try to see if we can get additional funding for marketing. Tourism is big biz in the Sunshine State. In a normal year, visitors contribute almost $100 billion to the state economy, creating one and a half million jobs and more than $11 billion in tax revenues for state and local governments. The bottom line is that our economy will not recover until vacationers believe it's safe to return to Florida. Your calendar of events begins at 9 with a meeting of the Suwannee River Water Management District Governing Board. The Florida Department of Transportation holds a webinar at 9.30 to discuss a project extending Florida's turnpike from Wildwood to the Suncoast Parkway. The Gulf Coast State College Board of Trustees meets by conference call at 10. Amid reports of plans by the Trump administration to allow drilling off the coast of Florida after the November election, Florida Congresspersons Debbie McCarcel Powell and Francis Rooney are holding a virtual press conference at 10 to renew their call for a ban on offshore drilling. The Florida Supreme Court releases its weekly opinions at 11. The Florida Chamber of Commerce holds an online event at 11 about relaunching the economy amid the coronavirus pandemic. The Northwest Florida Water Management District Governing Board meets at 1. The Florida Elections Commission meets at 3. And the Florida College System Council of Presidents holds an online meeting at 3.30. And finally today, a Florida woman is suing her neighbor over a paternity test for her goats. Chris Hedstrom of Odessa paid $900 to Heather Daner for five Nigerian dwarf goats back in December. The father was registered with the American Dairy Goat Association. Yes, there really is such a thing. But when Hedstrom tried to register the kids, the group refused because the woman who sold them is not an active member of the group. Hedstrom asked for 40 hairs from the papa goat for a DNA test so she could prove their heritage and register with the association. Daner refused, offering to refund the money if she returned the goats. So Hedstrom filed a lawsuit. It goes to court next month. 
That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.